Hey guys, welcome back to our Coaching and Life radio station slash podcast. My name is Charles Inferno. And this morning, I just wanted to touch base uh, about uh, the topic of routine. Um, over the last uh, few weeks or so, uh, the more time I spend working with our high school athletes, the more I notice and realize that there's there isn't really a method to their madness. What I mean by that is, um, you know, I coach throwers at a small Division three school in, in Western New York, and then I also coach uh, a few high school kids with our registered USATF throwing club. And what I've noticed is that um, our, our athletes don't do the same thing um, over and over again. I know it sounds kind of redundant, and you're probably thinking, what's, what's he talking about? Well... So uh, one of the things that I try and focus on, especially with our college athletes, because I have more time to spend with them during the season, is to develop a routine, uh, a pre-meet routine, uh, a meet routine, and a practice routine. Now, the practice routine is really the one that carries over most into our competition because what I try and focus on with our athletes, and there's a lot of research uh, based on um, what we're going to talk about, is that routine helps with relaxation. It helps calm the nerves, if you will, and it helps put you in a mental place where uh, it's you're comfortable and you know that this is something that I, I've done a million times before and it's just another ritual that I have before I enter the circle. So uh, yesterday I had uh, one of my athletes, high school ask, athletes, uh, ask about that and we were texting. And I said, you know, it'd obviously be easier for me to put it in an email. So what, what I sent was really a, a develop a routine and we'll be able to focus on this more in practice. But, you know, you enter the circle the exact same way every single time regardless if you're at practice or you're, I don't know, uh, you know, at a meet or you're, um, you know, what have you. Always do the same thing every single time. So you enter the circle the exact same way every single time. You have your heels to the back of or the front of the circle uh, and you have your one or two or three cue words that you think about before you initiate your throw and do that over and over and over again until it becomes automatic and you really have to you don't have to think about it anymore you step in the circle you take your three or four big belly breaths which was another piece of uh, information that i uh, shared there's a couple good youtube videos about that Um, but really routine and being consistent with your routine entering the same way uh, leaving the same way i mean that really doesn't matter you have to exit the back half of the circle anyway regardless of what uh, throwing events you're participating in, except for the javelin, you just have to go out the back part of the, the runway. Uh, to really develop a routine, develop uh, pre-meet rituals uh, to help you focus and help you relax as you get into your competition. Uh, those are really the only things that we can control when we enter enter a meet. Uh, We can't control uh, the competition. We can't control how long it takes us to get to the meets. We can't control if the bus is late. We can't control if the officials are only going to let us take one warm-up throw or two warm-up throws. Uh, You have to be able to uh, get in your zone, right, or your mental place where you're comfortable regardless of what 
of what that particular situation is. Because there's only so many things that we can control. But if we have um, purpose and we have um, the ability to make sure that we um, are able to maintain our composure and focus on what we can control, it will lead, it should lead to a more successful uh, competition. Um, so you're not as distracted with other things that might be uh, might be happening around you. Uh, but that's it for this um, part one. We'll talk about part two here in a moment with uh, pre-beat rituals and practice routines. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we just spent a few moments talking about routine and rituals, uh, in which I also touched base a little bit about um, controlling the controllables. And it's something I want to focus on with this this quick segment here. Um, um, Coach Bergeron, a uh, famous CrossFit coach out in Massachusetts, uh, wrote uh, a great book. Uh, we'll publish a great book this summer. And in one of the sections, um, he spends a lot of time talking about controlling your controllables. And as athletes, um, his athletes that he coaches and he works with at uh, the highest elite level of CrossFit, uh, really, we he talks about the things that they can control. It really boiled down to your uh, your training, your nutrition, uh, your recovery. He talks about five pieces, but really, those those are the three uh, to sum it up. So, really, you control your training, what you do day in and day out. Uh, what you, how you feel your body, uh, what you put into your body as far as um, food and, and how many meals a day and so on. Uh, and then also your recovery. How many hours of sleep do you get a night or in between two or three training sessions a day? Do you actually spend time uh, recovering? Do you do what you need to do in order to make sure your body's able to uh, fire at the highest possible level uh, that you need it to? And with same taking the same tenements with uh, our tenants, excuse me, uh, that Coach Bergeron has, um, similar to track and field, you know, controlling our controllables, um, and it's difficult. Well, I find I have found it uh, difficult. It's one of the pieces to have our not only our high school athletes but our college athletes as well uh, kind of buy into the notion that there's really only a few things that we can control going into a competition. We can control our own performance. Uh, we can control our physical, our own performance. We can control our own performance mentally as well. How mentally prepared are we for the competition? Uh, obviously our our nutrition as well. Now with college athletes, you know, it might be a little easier to um, fuel our bodies and take care of ourselves because we have um, pretty much unlimited access to athletic trainers, ice bath, sauna, uh, tons of recuperative measures that most high school athletes probably don't have access to. Um, but there are some things that our athletes do try to control that really we can't. There's nothing, nothing we can do. We can't do anything about the competition. Uh, we can't do anything about how well the, our competitors are going to compete. Uh, we can't do anything really about um, the time it takes us to get there. Now, we live in upstate or western New York, uh, so we typically have snow on the ground until April. But as I'm recording this on January 23rd, uh, we have very, very little snow on the ground. Uh, so weather's really out of our control, even, even at outdoor meets. If it rains, 
everybody has to throw in the work and the rain. Um, so, so when we when we focus on controlling what we controlling our own controllables, that will lead to a more pleasant um, experience. Uh, but it's something that we need to practice uh, as coaches. Maybe we don't necessarily. Uh, build in specific five or ten minutes to actually discuss coaching the controllables or controlling our controllables with our athletes. You know, but it's maybe it's something that we talk about throughout the course of the week or, you know, if an athlete opens the door to something that they feel, you know, they didn't have much control over. Uh, what I've done in the past is have athletes right on the list. What are all the things that you can control? And what are things that you cannot control and let's focus on the things that you can't control uh, and they usually uh, tends to put them at ease makes them feel a little bit better that there's only so many things that are within their control um, but mentally if you practice your uh, relaxation your visualization your mindfulness um, that should lead to a more pleasant experience uh, competitively uh, as opposed to uh, not thinking about that or uh, being easily rattled in the heat of the moment. Uh, but that's all for this segment, and uh, we'll catch you we'll catch you on the other side. Hey everyone, welcome back to our third segment this morning of the Life and Coaching uh, Radio Station slash podcast. My name is Charles Inferno. Um, got a message last night. Uh, about my introduction, and I wasn't aware of all the anchor rules uh, about the whole uh, five-minute piece. So a lot of information that I talked about yesterday was cut off because um, I wasn't aware of the fact that we only had uh, five minutes. Uh, but somebody mentioned uh, something to me via Twitter if I would be able to talk a little bit about um, uh, myself uh, in a more abbreviated manner uh, in regards to how I got started into in the coaching. So really, it, it kind of happened by accident. Um, I went to school at SUNY Fredonia. Uh, it's a small uh, state school um, close to the Pennsylvania border. And uh, I went to school to be a teacher, and I competed in track and field. Uh, and after I graduated in May of 2004, um, I was uh, asked to um, help with the track team and be the throwing coach uh, as a graduate assistant. And it really wasn't something that I was planning on doing, to be honest with you. And I've talked about this before. I've written about it. Um, I graduated. I enrolled in graduate school uh, for teaching. So I graduated with my bachelor's in teaching. I had a teaching job at BOCES. I was going to go to grad school full-time. Um, I got a call from our athletic director asking if I was interested. Initially, I said no. Um, I had a full-time teaching job, and I was also uh, helping out in the fitness center at the, at the college. Uh, I was going to grad school full-time, taking three, three uh, courses that fall. Um, so it wasn't until about October that I got a call again, and they asked if I was interested, and I said sure. Um, so, so that's how I got my start in coaching at SUNY Fredonia. Uh, so I was uh, 22 years old when I started, and I was actually I was coaching my my peers, right? I was coaching the the athletes that I was teammates with during uh, the previous season for the most part. 
so Jen and Meredith uh, were two seniors on the team. Oh, I'm sorry, Jen was a senior, Meredith was a junior. And at first it was a little a little awkward uh, just because, you know, we were teammates for a few years before that. So we kind of um, uh, knew each other differently than if, uh, if it was a new coach who was coming in from a different uh, town or a different state. Uh, but I really had no idea what I was doing. I was uh, coaching the way I was coached, which didn't work too well. Um, so uh, I took it upon myself to email somebody who I probably shouldn't have emailed, uh, but I didn't know any any differently. Uh, so I took a shot and I emailed um, uh, a coach who was a former Olympian uh, close by and I said, you know, I'm, I'm new to coaching. I competed for four years. I'm still trying to compete. I'm still trying to, to be a good thrower. Uh, but I don't know how to best help my athletes all the time. Do you mind if I come out and watch one of your practices with my kids? So it was Martin Luther King Day in January of 2005. Uh, we loaded up our my Oldsmobile and we drove down to the college. And it was a really eye-opening and rewarding experience because... Um, you know, I never, you know, I didn't know any better, I don't think. Um, you know, I call it right now, I, I say that, you know, I have I have no shame when it comes to those things. I don't mind emailing coaches, um, especially now with uh, Twitter and Instagram, it's so much easier to reach out. Uh, but it really, I, I wanted to do what was best for my athletes and my kids. Uh, and I knew, I knew enough then, and I still know enough now, that I don't know everything. And I'm still always reaching out, trying to pick up tips or hints or suggestions on how to work with particular athletes, uh, how to structure practices better so it meets the needs of everybody, uh, which I'll touch base on here in the, uh, the follow-up following uh, uh, segment. Hey everybody, welcome back to segment four here, uh, the uh, Life and Coaching Podcast. My name is Charles Inferna, and I just wanted to... Uh, follow up with uh, how I got into coaching. Uh, like I said previously, it was by accident. Um, really had no intention to get into coaching. Uh, but once I did, I knew that I needed to uh, surround myself with people or have a network of resources to be able to bounce on the ideas off of uh, in order to provide the best environment for my kids. And I was uh, a teacher also, so I had that background knowledge of you know, knowing that relationships are important, uh, adolescent development, and all those uh, buzzwords from back in the early 2000s that are starting to, um, you know, come back around now. Uh, a lot of our research where I work is focused on social-emotional learning uh, in the classroom, and we're trying to apply that to social-emotional learning in the uh, competitive arena of sports. So whether it's the field or the pool or the track or the rink, Trying to trying to see you know how how do coaches interact with their athletes? Um, you know, do coaches is it like that old school tough love, do what I say because I told you type of thing, or is it more of a collaborative effort? And I always uh, took the collaborative approach, um, even at Fredonia. Like I said, uh, I was coaching uh, my peers, so it was really a more of a collaborative piece. Uh, so rather than okay. This is what we're doing today because I said so. Uh, it was more align, along the lines of, hey, Jen, you know, this worked at this meet, uh, but you were a little off with this. Let's focus on that. Or what do you think we should 
we should try and focus on based off of you know the, the video we have, and that worked really well. Um, the collaborative uh, piece, you know, because then it gives your athletes autonomy to uh, have ownership and be involved in the decision making process. So it's like a shared decision uh, making team, similar to, to what high schools have. Um, and elementary schools and middle schools, you have a shared decision-making team. So our throwing group was a shared decision-making team. Now, there was a little bit more flexibility with some athletes over others. Uh, Jen was a nationally ranked weight and hammer thrower. So our conversations were a little different. Uh, but I tried to structure and practice in a way that uh, and that everyone's needs. So Jen would be focusing on uh, one thing, Meredith would be focusing on another, Nick would be focusing on the third, and Tim, and so on. Um, and that's really how I structured my practices. And I really noticed that, and it, and it made me feel better about what I was doing when we visited uh, Ashland University in Ohio. Um, I contacted uh, Judd Logan. I asked him if we would be able to come out, um, not knowing any differently about the situation. He said, sure. Uh, so we picked the day, we drove out, we spent the whole day uh, watching them, watching Judd uh, coaches, Ashley Elite um, athletes, uh, A.G. Kruger, Crystal Johnson, um, Joe and Derek Woodski, uh, all uh, Olympians, top level elite uh, hammer weight throwers. Um, and then we watched uh, his college practices, so his, uh, his male group and his female group. And, uh, and it just reassured to me what I thought I was doing. Uh, it was something similar to what Judd was doing in Ashland. And I can never thank him enough for that and never thank him enough for giving me the opportunity to go out there. I know once he posted uh, something on Facebook about getting inquiries all the time about uh, coaches wanting to go out and watch practice and, and see what he does. And I guess in uh, his 20 years of coaching there, only two people have taken him up on that. Uh, and myself being one of them. I still keep in contact with him as much as possible. Uh, Jen, our, our senior that we had at Fredonia that graduated in 05, she went to grad school at Ashland. She got her master's degree in secondary education. She's a social studies teacher in Ohio. Um, she competed at two uh, U.S. Indoor National Championships in the, in the weight throw. Um, so you never know if you don't ask, if you don't reach out. Uh, and I'm going to touch base about that in our, in our next seg segment here. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening.